0: That I've grown up with in NA, and uh, I'll
1: give you Danny here from Indonesia. Hey, everybody! My name is Danny. I'm an addict. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Very nice to be at the World Convention, the 31st World Convention of Narcotics Anonymous here in Honolulu. The fact that I'm up here today and speaking would definitely fall in the category of beyond my wildest dreams. Uh, And I'm not even that scared. I'm sure if I was Archer or Derek last night in front of thousands of people, it would be a different story. But I'm kind of in the mood today. I'm having a beautiful morning. Woke up in a beautiful hotel room overlooking Diamond Head next to one of my favorite people on the planet, Johnny G from the Big Island. And I said to him the other day, usually when I wake up next to him in a hotel, it's a good sign. Either we're at a World Convention of N.A. or at a New York Yankees World Series baseball game or something. And the Yankees haven't been in too many World Series lately, but, uh, yeah. And uh, I got a beautiful SMS from a fellow uh, who I got clean with in New York, a guy by the name of Big Richie. And uh, the SMS said, what uh, me phone. I forgot. SMS like text message. What did he say here? Rock, Rockin' in the free world, have an awesome time, yeah? So that was just a nice way to start my day. Uh, The fact that I'm up here today is grace, pure grace. I have a friend in New York that says, you know, I possibly could be dead many times over, so this would be a bonus day on the planet, Uh, another day of cake. And uh, the fact that um, I'm an addict, and that I'm clean, and that I love Narcotics Anonymous, and that I'm at a world convention is a pretty powerful experience. And uh, the way my life has been wired the last few years by my uh, higher power, I get to, like, move around the planet a lot. And uh, I'm a meeting maker type of guy, so I go to meetings wherever I am. So I know, like, a lot of people all over the planet. And I don't try to say that with any ego or arrogance. It's just the life that my higher power has colored for me. And so I get to come to a world convention. I get to see people from, like, countries all over the world. And it just, it blows my mind. It blows my mind. So, uh, beautiful to be here. So we have a topic, I need to talk on it, so we're going to try to focus on that. I'm a little bit confused by the topic, so I might need your help. I actually wanted to talk to Larry about it, but I got a phone call this morning that Larry was stuck in traffic on one of those highways coming through the mountain. So anyway, the topic says regardless of religion or lack of religion, so I'm thinking I could go two ways with that. Um, Let me go to the actual uh, reading we have here and what is, what does it say? Anyone may join us, regardless of age, race, sexual identity, creed, religion, or lack of religion. So that, to me, kind of sounds like the third step. Uh, I'm sorry, the third tradition, that our only requirement for membership is the desire to stop using. Yeah, And it doesn't matter. But we also have a thing in our third step that says God as we understand him. And so that can be a religious God and it can be a not-religious God. So I don't know if I should be speaking on the tradition or the step or which direction to go. I don't know if you... What? Doesn't matter, he says. I'm not getting any help. Anybody have any ideas out there? Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll make it up as I go along. Um, I'll just talk a little bit about the third tradition because I really love this tradition. I like the idea that Narcotics Anonymous is this wide, huge, worldwide, inclusive fellowship. Right? A worldwide, inclusive, spiritual fellowship. And the key word there for me is inclusive. Right? The only requirement for membership is a desire. That's it. You're a member when you say you're a member. That's a beautiful thing to me, right? Anybody can walk through the doors, you know, and we have nothing to say about that. You're here. You declare that you're a, uh, a drug addict and you have a problem, and we're here to help. Um, I got clean originally in New York, in, in Long Island. Yeah. A couple of guys, Long Island's in the house today, uh, including Joe. And... Uh, so they used to, you know, detail some of the traditions of the, when they'd open the meetings and they'd talk about the third tradition and they'd say, you know, the only requirement for membership is a desire to stop using. And they'd say, what that means is, is that you're a member when you say you're a member. No questions asked. Yeah? So we just kind of have this fellowship that exists. People might or might not have a problem. Somebody explained to me one day in, uh, with World Services uh, in the Literature Translation Department, you know, we're talking about, well, should we go ahead and make literature for countries that, like, aren't asking for it? Or, you know, how does that work? And that person said that we're not a missionary organization, you know? We don't go out and look for members and, you know, look, you know seek people out. We're just kind of here. And if people need us, we are totally available and totally inclusive. And uh, what a beautiful spirit behind that. I just love that feeling that just anybody can walk through the door, you know? Um, so... Now, yeah, that's kind of my take on that particular aspect. I'll talk a little bit more about regardless of religion or lack of religion and what that means to me in terms of my own belief and my own high power. Um, I'm one of the guys that came in here, and I had a working uh, relationship, uh, not a working relationship, but I had a belief in a high power. That's basically all I had. I remember when I was about three or four years old, Um, I was born into a particular religion. I don't know if I should mention that religion or not. You could probably figure it out anyway. But, uh, okay, I'm a nice Jewish boy from New York. Uh, uh, And that particular religion, they told me when I was three or four years old, they said, you know, you are the chosen people. And on some level, that possibly could sound good to people, but at three or four years old, that did not sound good to me. Uh, You know, I had some sort of uh, perspective or wisdom or I don't know what, but I knew it at three or four that that didn't sound right. And I don't mean to invalidate anybody that might be Jewish in the house today. You know, I, I almost like I shouldn't have mentioned that. But uh, I got it at three or four that if there's a God, there's one God and that God's there for everybody. And that God is there how you choose to connect with that God. And that's my own belief. I don't mean to push that on anybody. Um, but I tend to be somebody that shies away from uh, religions that you know, for whatever reason because I just like the inclusive God thing. Yeah, that's that's how it is for me. So anyway, at the age of three or four I had this kind of pretty cool awareness that there is one God and that God's there for everybody. I proceeded to go the next 20 years without any relationship with the God. I spent the last 10 years of those 20 years doing drugs and disconnecting and having no connection, no conscious contact with the God or questioning the God but I still had kind of this underlying belief that there was some force out there and that it was available to everybody and it's... Uh, You know, it's kind of like a thread that runs through all of us. And then I landed in Archives Anonymous at the age of 26. And uh, when I got here, I was kind of spiritually, I don't want to say bankrupt, but I was definitely spiritually dormant, right? There wasn't much inspiration going on in my life, and there wasn't much of a connect with my higher power. And I got here, and I was in that big self-centered bubble that a lot of us land here in. You know, I was just trapped in Danny, and the fear of Danny, and the insecurity of Danny. And, and I wasn't into the inclusiveness of the universe. I wasn't into other people at all. I was basically an isolationist and most comfortable being by myself. And so I landed here, and uh, pretty clueless. Yeah? And uh, I don't know when it hit me. It probably took months. But you know, at some point, I tapped in where it said, God is what to understand him. And uh, later on in my recovery, somebody told me that when they they were formulating or when they had the original inspiration for the steps, they were kind of stuck on the God word because God has a negative connotation to a lot of people uh, from certain religious upbringings or whatever upbringings they have. And I heard that one of the biggest you know inspirations they had is when they had God as we understand Him. The un- as we understand Him was like a really big opening for that. And uh, that's a beautiful thing for me. You know, I can come here and have. The God of my understanding as that God continues to present itself in my life and uh, the way that God is presented to myself in my life, the primary way that I get it is from working the steps, right? So if you come here and you don't really have much of a relationship with a higher power, if you don't pick up and you go to meetings and you work the steps uh, with a sponsor, you can't help but get some sort of relationship with a God and I'm talking about a working relationship with a God, yeah? I know the second step talks about coming to believe, and so I get to top into some of those beliefs I had. But as I continue to work the steps, and uh, my higher power continues to open my heart in such a powerful way, this relationship just continues to blossom. And I have a working relationship with my higher power. I mean, it's there. I've had a pretty interesting year of some trials and tribulations and just like circumstances going on with work and with health and uh, with a uh, relationship. And it was very, it's been kind of like a difficult year for me. And thank God I have a working relationship with a higher power. Thank God I have that. I have a place to tap into that power or source, you know. I mean, the biggest thing that rocked me this year is that I fell in love with somebody. And I'm one of these guys that basically doesn't fall in love. I'm 46 years old, and I've only fallen in love twice. And I don't know. There's no victim behind that. It's just, it's Danny's life, yeah. And uh, I won't even tell you I'm broken in the relationship department. I'll just say that I travel, I tend to travel the planet better single. Does that sound good? It's got a nice ring to it, yeah? Yeah. There's probably defects in there. My sponsor's sitting here, so I'll I'll talk to him afterwards about that. But, uh, man, I fell in love, man. My heart opened. I love it when it happens. It's pretty cool when it happens, yeah? And I fell in love with somebody younger than me from another culture who uh, likes to uh, drink a lot. And, you know, the circumstances didn't look great. (laughs) <laughs> my sponsor was there. you he got to meet her, yeah? So did Big Richie, who sent me the SMS. But my heart opened. And when my heart opens, i, I got to go move. for it in this lifetime. I know that. So uh, I went for it with this, uh, with this woman. And it uh, didn't last long. It was very powerful, very meshed, very codependent. You know, the way I do a relationship, I guess. And, uh, you know, I, I won't say she was a gift from God. But uh, I will say the fact that my heart opened and something happened for her was a God shot. And then a few months down the line, she had a change of heart. And uh, and uh, I was thrown off kilter just a little bit for a long time. I mean, my reaction was grievous. I think I was only with her for about three months. And for about a month and a half, I was like crying every day. And I don't cry. I'm somebody that goes years without crying. Yeah? And uh, crying like every day. And actually, when I cry, it feels good. It's a good release for this particular addict human being to be able to release in that sort of way and uh there were a couple times where I was like fetal position on the floor crying like unbelievable pain I figure if I'm with her for three months a month and a half seems like a long time to be like totally debilitated so (laughs) but I don't know I'm not a psychologist so I don't know what the story is but uh, anyway I went through a situation and one of the gifts of the situation was that um you know, I know how to take the victim route and kind of go, why is this happening to me? And, and I tend to do that in certain areas of my life, especially in the business area right now. But in terms of this relationship thing, this thing went down and uh, I never once like was, it, you know, I was just with God in the whole thing. I just like, okay, what's going on here? Kind of like 11-step prayer. It's like, where do we need to go, God? You know, what do you want here? And... uh You know, I just really surrendered to my high power in in that moment. And it was nice to have a working relationship. It's great to have a working relationship with a high power when stuff's going on that's not good. It's beautiful when things are lining in and the money's working and everything's dialing in and all your friends are good and you feel good. But in the situations, like the the growing situations where things don't quite go the way we want them to go, that's the best time to have a relationship with a high power. So, um, So this was nice. This was nice. It was difficult, but it was nice, and it was a situation in my life this year that just helped to energize my connection with my higher power. I'm currently involved with my sixth step, and I've been involved with it for a while, for months and months, and I know that this is uh, part of my process as well. I, I'm, I'm like hard-headed. My higher power has to shake me around. I also had a motorcycle crash this year, and that was definitely my sixth step, like kind of God like whacking me. like I had to like slow down. I was in Bali at that time when it happened. Uh, Anyway, that's another story. So, I think I'm off the topic a little bit. I don't know. I'm talking directly about higher power, but it really says regardless of religion or lack of religion. So, basically, the higher power is the higher power that you can have that's your intimate relationship with Source. And you can call that God anything, and you can get that God any way you want. It can be through religion, you know. I mean, I'm in process. I'm in uh, the third set of steps that I've worked in my particular recovery. And every time I work a set of steps, my higher power cracks me wide open and my heart opens wider and new things show up and I have new ways to connect with my higher power. And in this particular set of steps, one of the things that showed up for me just as I was breaking up with this woman was yoga. Now, I have to tell you that yoga is not NA approved. So I'm not speaking on behalf of NA when I say this. But I'm just somebody who's in process. And so what's shown up for me is this thing called yoga. And I used to like meditate for 10 or 20 minutes in the morning Now I meditate for 10 or 20 minutes, and then I do yoga for 40 or 50 minutes. So it feels like my whole meditation process is now over an hour. And I'm not telling anybody they should do yoga. But I will say that work steps with the guidance of the sponsor, and things will come to you that will help define that relationship with you and help to broaden and open that relationship for you. That's my experience in my own recovery, and that's also my experience in the recovery of sponsees and a lot of people that I've grown up with and that I've worked with. So... uh, And I love it. I mean, I love it. I I love it that I'm in process and that it continues to enlarge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, sometimes my beliefs in my higher power kind of short-circuit what my higher power has to do. You know, every time I'm working a new step, I'm kind of thinking, how's HP going to work with me on this one? You know? So HP's got to kind of come in the back door when I'm not looking, you know, because I'm trying to figure it all out. So sometimes, for me, the belief limits it. Yeah? Because the higher power is way bigger than anything I can conceive. And uh, as I continue to be in the process, my... Uh, my uh, grasp of the high power becomes more expansive. And I try to have my high power be as expansive as possible in terms of the belief of it. Um, and it's gotten a lot bigger than when I had six months clean that first high power that began to emerge out of my first set of steps and uh, continues to emerge. You know? So um, so I'll tell you one other story. I, I know it's supposed to go 30 minutes, so I must be close to my time. So I was really, I was raised Jewish, And uh, I did not access any sort of spirituality through the Jewish religion. And I know people that have accessed spirituality through the Jewish religion and through other religions. You know, I live in a country now, Indonesia, where there's this, even though everybody knows it is the largest Muslim country in the world, it's written in the charter for the country that there needs to be freedom of religion. And they don't talk about my particular religion, but they talk about five particular religions. And you need to declare a religion. When you're a citizen of that country, it's actually on your identity card. Yeah? So they're into this thing about choose a religion, whatever religion it is. Now, for me, I'm a little bit more expansive. I'm just saying, you know, choose a path of spirituality, which can be a religion. Anyway, I, got, I accessed my spirituality and continue to access it through working the 12 steps in Arcadis Anonymous. When I had about seven years clean, I was given the grace of traveling for a year around the world with just me, my higher power, and a backpack. And it was one of the most powerful, empowering experiences I've had in my lifetime. And it wasn't even something that was on my radar screen. My higher power kind of presented it to me, and uh, it was a pretty cool experience. So along the way, I decided I really wanted to go to Israel, uh, because that's supposedly where it all started. And I wanted to just see if, with this newfound spirituality, I could connect with the religion that I was born into. So I went there, and I even had some fantasy that I could live in Israel. But I got there, and the energy that was going on just wasn't right for me, and I realized I didn't want to live there. And I went to Jerusalem, you know, the old city where the original temple was, where a lot of people have these cathartic, you know, spiritual experiences. And I thought, maybe I'd have one of those. And I kept saying, I have no expectations. (laughs) But I went there, and... uh... And I didn't have a cathartic experience. And because I didn't have a cathartic experience, I was kind of down, actually. Yeah, So I did have an expectation. And whatever, I just had some sort of fantasy that I have the spirituality and maybe I can connect it with the religion of my birth. But my experience was that that didn't happen. And that's not a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's just Annie's path. and It's just what happened. Yeah, And there were other people at the wall that day that were having experiences that were very powerful. So I honor that. Right, Everybody's experience is different. Yeah. My relationship with my high power is a real intimate thing that keeps being presented and open to me. And I honor that that is for everybody else too. So whether I like other religions or I don't like other religions doesn't really matter. I know religion can be one of the roadmaps there. And that's why it says it in one of our readings, regardless of religion or lack of religion. Uh, but this addict's experiences that I've tapped into. Uh, a, a very powerful connection directly through working the 12 steps. And other stuff has come in around that, like the yoga and some other stuff as well. And that's my experience. And uh, I don't know if I've gone 30 minutes, but it feels kind of complete. So beautiful to be at a world convention. Great, great energy here this weekend. Lots of aloha in the house. And uh, and it's good to be clean. And this is a bonus day for me on the planet. Thanks, everybody.
2: Thank you, Danny. Our next speaker is Larry, Haar from Hawaii.
3: Hi, everyone. My name is Larry. I'm an addict. Thank you, Judy. Ah, oh, boy. Um, like Danny said, I was racing to get here, stuck in traffic. It, I don't know. It. Uh, for those of you who know me, uh, I'm not a natural. Very comfortable speaker being up before a microphone and in front of a lot of people, but. You know, I've done it before. I managed to do it again, and uh, one thing I've learned is that uh, it's not going to kill me. And actually, after I'm done with this, I might even feel better about myself. The thing about being late, though, I was so stressed that the stress the stress of being late was getting greater, greater than the stress of speaking. So <laughs> so all in all, you know, everything worked out fine. But I'm one of those people. I'm going to try hard not to do it. Um it feels the need to well, obviously, you know, I need to talk a little bit just in general to get comfortable, to relax, and get in a groove. I hope. But um, I usually, in that process, have a tendency to, you know, well, I actually already started at the very beginning of this meeting to tell you how nervous I get, you know, and how uncomfortable, and this isn't really my thing, and everything. That, I figure, I guess, if I go on for 10 or 15 minutes, you know, telling you how messed up I am, it kind of lowers your expectations of what you're going to end up. So, kind of, I figure maybe the best thing is when you're leading here, well, that guy was okay for being so screwed up, you know. (laughs) So, I, you know, but uh, I'll, uh, uh, I'll try not to do that, although I already snuck it in. You'll notice that. But, uh, you know, I mean, when I first, and also, I don't know, when I was first asked to uh, share on this topic, you know, I I said yes right away because I've learned in N.A. I do say yes, even though I knew that I would go through this uh, uncomfortable process as a result, you know, but my head, you know, it's, uh, my head clicked in, you know, I kind of, I can sometimes be very analytical about things, you know, and I uh, have to figure them all out. They have to kind of fit in a very neat little box so that I can get a grip on it and it makes sense. And then somehow everything's going to be okay if I can just come with that mental understanding. So, but, you know, how, well, anyway, when I first took at it, I read it. I put it in the bigger context of what it says in our readings, you know, and then I say, well, geez, what is, what? religion mean? Anyway, so I go get the dictionary to look up religion, you know, and then you go and you look up uh, regardless. Well, what does that mean? And then, you know, in the dictionary, it gives some other terms. And I say, well, what does that mean? You know, creed. What does creed mean anyway? You know, and then after looking at the definition of religion and creed, it says, I, you know, I'm kind of a wannabe intellectual in a sense, because when I come up with some of these questions, I just can't figure them out. I, I read the definition of religion. I read the definition of creed. And if anyone can tell me the difference after the meeting, I'd be glad to have you inform me because I couldn't quite get the subtleties, you know. It's like uh, sometimes shortcomings and character defects in our steps, you know. I mean, some people can go on and on about the differences and other people, you know, just kind of throw up their hands and they just say they didn't want to use the same word twice. So <laughs> I don't know. But but where I'm leading with all this is since getting clean and getting over my initial obsession with drugs, the obsession to use, you know, it's kind of like my mind clicks back in, you know, which in some cases has been a good thing. In other cases, it's definitely been to my detriment to overanalyze and to and uh, to have that need to know in such a fine detail that uh, it really just leads to incredibly frustrating uh, situations. But um, but I guess that's in recovery, and like I say, having some time clean. It's uh, almost sometimes a, kind of a little foible or luxury that I can engage in without... Uh, uh, getting uh, too carried away. And when I do get too carried away, I find myself having come back to the basics, you know. And when I first got... I'm going to have to relate this topic like Danny did kind of to my own personal experience because I'm really not very good at taking a topic per se and, and giving a very good subjective talk on it with all the different pros and cons or this means that and whatever. You know, I find that... Uh, I'm always more comfortable when I bring everything back down, just to my personal experience, my experience, strength, and hope, because that is all that I have to share with you, and I can try to relate any topic that I have to that, and and that is what I hope to do. You know, I I actually feel like I was, when I first came into this fellowship, I really wasn't doing very well, you know. Uh, I had hit a pretty uh, heavy physical bottom sometimes, sometime earlier to actually finding my first meeting and getting clean. But I believe there are also other bottoms that we hit in either before we get clean or sometimes after we get clean. You know, I'm talking about mental and emotional and spiritual bottoms. And I was pretty much at the end of the road in all categories when I uh, when I first got clean. You know, I had really not even known of any type of recovery that it was possible for addicts to get clean before I actually ended up in my first meeting. Um, And just because I was hurting so much and, uh, you know, literally suicidal, I was, my heart, uh, like Danny was saying, was wide open, you know. I mean, if... um, Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to joke about it a lot afterwards. You know, if if I had if the first person I had met after getting to that stage was uh, you know a guy in robes shaking a tambourine at the airport, that's what I'd be doing today because I was so wide open to anything. You know, I had I was just at my bottom. You know, but fortunately, I found my way to a meeting of recovering people and with friends who are some of whom still in this room today that I've known for 29 years. And it's truly an amazing uh, gift to have that. Um, But the point is, really, when I got clean, uh, actually, we believed in working the steps right away. So within the first week or two, I was doing the steps. And I didn't really give much uh, when they talked about it in the readings that phrase regardless of religion or lack of religion I did I think it all just passed over my head and I didn't really I well I didn't really understand anything of what uh, was going on or the readings or even sometimes when people were sharing I just knew I was in the place I needed to be I knew I was in a safe place that's all I knew and that's all I mattered about everything else just kind of went beyond me so I didn't give too much thought to it at that point. Like I say, it wasn't until I got a little time clean and I got through that initial just, you know, I was just so open, vulnerable. I mean, I just was like a fresh piece of clay ready to be molded. And fortunately, I, like I said, I came into this fellowship who, who molded me and helped me grow in a way that's just been fantastic. But once my head started clicking in, you know, I started trying to make a sense, sense of everything. And when I got, you know, I did my initial set of steps. And when I started on my uh, a subsequent set of steps, boy, I had to know what every little word meant, you know. And I had to figure it out. It was totally different. And I can see exactly. I mean, that, um It let me know exactly why it's so important, especially for the newcomer, that they know that there just are absolutely no barriers to us coming into this fellowship, you know. And I guess a lot of us, I mean, again, I'll personalize and talk for myself. I came into this fellowship hauling along a lot of baggage from my past, from my growing up, a lot of preconceived ideas, a lot of... uh, ways of living that seemed to work when I was using but didn't seem to work when I was clean I just you know it was just I had a lot of a lot of baggage with me and religion or lack of religion both were were part of that baggage you know and it wasn't directly that I didn't grow up in a religious household but through the circumstances of my life and the what I saw around me, and what I was, seemed, what I remember being told, and things like that, I grew up or came away with a, with a very negative, uh, well, not negative. I, I was scared to death of any kind of higher power, God. I, it terrified me, um, because, well, actually, I had really thought uh, that. Um, through the circumstances of my growing up, I I felt like, uh, well, my life seemed to be such a mess, and I, I seemed to go through some things that I thought God, you know, was just there as a, you know, as a punishing God, and that um, that's just the way it was, and it, it wasn't really going to change. I didn't think much of myself, and I thought God thought the same, and even worse, and um, in the beginning, when I did my first four step, it was always a struggle, even in subsequent four steps, because I always thought if i I was scared to dig too deeply because if I thought I dug too deeply, I would find that place within myself that was unlovable by God. I thought that still existed within my heart for a long time, you know, so it really kind of held me back for a long time to really come uh, becoming completely open it's funny the the place I was in when I first got clean—it seems like in my uh, in the years since then, my process of working the steps in this program has been discovering that actually, in many ways, that's where I would like to get back to—that place of simple faith of just feeling that wide open and still having some sense that this is going to be okay. I am taken care of in some way. And not having to have the mental understanding of knowing how it's going to happen or in what way life is going to unfold. I just felt secure. I felt enveloped by a fellowship of very loving people and nurturing people that that was so powerful that it overrid any fear uh, that I had, to pulling away, and I stuck around, and I stuck with it. So like I say, though, after, you know, I spent a long time realizing that, hey, I, this is kind of, that's actually where I would like to get back to eventually, you know, and so in my last series of steps, that's kind of where I feel like I've, what I've been trying to do is get that, back to that place of simple faith and simple understanding of living by my heart rather than by head, of living by an intuitive life, you know, a life where I feel as connected as I can with God, that I can, I can take actions or speak thoughts or be a way that I may not understand the moment or might uh, not make sense, yet I have the faith to do it anyway. If it's coming from my heart, I would like to. My journey seems to be leading me back to that place where I was when uh, I first got clean. But we all, like I say, in regard to this, I think this, what our topic today is, critically important, especially for the newcomer, that they do know that there really is nothing that they have to believe or accept or do in particular in order to be a part of this fellowship and to get clean and to stay clean and to have a, a useful, productive life and be in recovery. Because um, I know... Uh, in going through the literature and everything, I I used to, you know, I mean, it says God many times, you know. But I had connected up, you know, God with my, uh, with religion very closely. And I had connected up God with my particular uh, point of view that was just a individual result of my growing up, you know. And... So everything was everything was tainted by that in a sense, and I I kept thinking, well, my actually my first approach, you know, in reading the literature, and getting clean was that uh, I, in some way I thought that uh, somewhere in the literature I was going to find the magic answer, you know, that told us in just kind of like one sentence, this is the solution, and then once I found that, I could get up and go home and you know just do whatever I wanted, you know. So I guess, you know, in the same way, you know, I thought I had to come to terms with or believe in a God or become religious in a certain way. And it was, it was, uh, I struggled with that for a long time, you know. And I, and it wasn't until, you know, probably many years later that I, I, kind of changed tact, and just tried to discover, well, it's been a natural process, actually. You know, we, I work the steps. I clear out a lot of fear, a lot of garbage, a lot of misconceptions that I've learned over the years, and I have found as a natural result of that, a God of my understanding fills that void without me even consciously trying to create one. So... I have tended more lately more to, you know, work best steps, dealing with all the fears and things that I have, trying to discover what I'm really about in many ways, uh, and just coming to terms with that without having to change it or be different and have that be okay in itself. You know, I'm on my 11th step, right? Well, I gosh, I want to say I'm on my 11th step. I've sort of entered into it, but then I feel like I kind of took a couple steps back because it, it it's it, it's a little scary this time around. Um, and I seem to be much more comfortable, you know, making amends, telling people, oh, I really screwed up, you know, and uh, <laughs> will you forgive me? I'm much more capable. I mean, I make amends differently than that too, but uh, but the idea is that I'm naturally more comfortable, you know, in that frame of mind rather than being in front of people and really owning up to who I believe I am inside—a loving, caring person who wants, you know, wants to love, wants to be loved, wants to be supportive and. Uh, be a presence in people's lives and not have to perform or do any certain thing in order to have that all be a part of my life and to feel good about myself. You know, That is where I would like to be. So this is where I'm getting kind of with my 11th step, where I am faced with really, really, really examining that concept within myself and trying to make it a part of my heart and soul and not something that i just been kind of talking about objectively. And uh, that's a struggle. There's a lot of fear there for me. But kind of unlike Danny, I'm kind of in, uh, sometimes, uh, I know he's a saucy underneath, you know, don't let him fool you. But sometimes my, uh, my soft side is kind of all too evident sometimes, you know. Um, You know, I was, I was, I was in tears driving here. And it wasn't because I was stressed. I mean, I was stressed, but. Uh, I was thinking about, you know, sharing and how nervous I get and how sometimes I feel, you know, just so vulnerable and how I was just, you know, the fear was overtaking me. But then I was then I clicked into and I was thinking about how many people are going to be here that I'm really close with and who care about me and how many people actually made a point of coming here to support me. In many ways, because I think they know how, how uptight and how scared I get. And, you know, so that thought, just that thought that I have those people in my life as a result of being clean in Narcotics Anonymous is just totally overwhelming to me. You know, just totally amazing. And... Uh, I don't know if I've uh, spent my 30 minutes either, but um, I think I'm kind of at an end, too. So thank you very much, everyone, for sharing.
2: I'd like to thank both Danny and Larry for speaking. And uh, at this time, we'll uh, open the mic for open
4: sharing from the floor if anyone wants to share on the topic. My name is Olaf, I'm an addict. been here before for the reading, so it's a bit more easy to step up again. And I love the, the topic, I love my higher power, and I was struggling to develop this connection to my higher power. Uh, I could get out a lot of what I heard. And, um, I was raised Christian and I was never really believing in this kind of God the Church produces. I now live as a result of my commitment to A and of uh, 10 years in time I live in Thailand and I feel much more comfortable with the religion I found over there, the Buddhism, and uh, I was feeling home Really home when I came there, and I didn't know why in the beginning. And I'm not a Buddhist in this kind of uh, meaning. I don't know much about the religion, but I know a little about the, the, the way of thinking. And I feel it's tolerance, it's love, and it's it fits to the NA program for me completely. I feel. This program tells me you have to develop your connection to the higher power. This is one of the central parts of my program to do this. This is my my job today. I need to develop my higher power that I have the belief and that I have the strength and that I get guidance from this higher power to, to make my living and to find better decisions than I do on my own thinking. I'm, I'm one of the guys who like to think a lot and analyze too much, and on the other side the heart is going down, <laughs> and this is what this program teaches me, open your heart and uh, try to live love, and it's <coughs> that's where my higher power guides me to when, when I come here, and I'm very happy to be back on track. I was experiencing a time of of going down in my program short before ten years. I heard a lot of us have this up and downs in recovery and I was feeling I'd done enough and I was going to the meetings less and they were not available because I was suddenly able to travel around the world and There was less meetings, I was going less, and the fun was going down, and suddenly, after years of going daily, I was only attending one or two a week, and then, at the lowest point, there was two months where I didn't attend any meeting. And I'm very, very grateful that I found the way back without relapsing, and that I'm committed again, and that I... Love to go to meetings again, as I used to do it in the beginning of my recovery. And I thank everybody for letting me share and listen to me and being part of this convention. Thanks everybody.
2: My name is Bruce. I have the disease of addiction. I'm one of God's greatest miracles. I love saying that. That's probably the nicest thing I can say to myself every day, that I am a miracle. <clears throat> and uh, that's as a result of being in these rooms and listening and learning uh, that I don't have to get into figuring everything out. And I can just learn as I go. Kind of like. Uh, you know, like little, you know, the little erector sets we had when we were boys, some of us. Kind of just learning as you go and making a lot of mistakes along the way. Sometimes they fall apart and you start again. But uh, my clean date is June 19th, 1981. And uh, I say that because that's not any of my part except having the willingness to keep coming and coming and coming and not picking up and being a service. But, you know, I was thinking about something that I remember Karl Marx said a long time ago. I don't think I'm breaking part Marx's anonymity, I think. But, but he said that religion is the opiate of the people. And I started thinking to myself, well, I loved opiates, so I, why don't I love religion? <laughs> I like to laugh in recovery. I think that uh, the more we laugh, the less we think. And that's an important part of this. See, I was born, I was born Jewish difference between Catholic people and Jewish people, are, Catholic people are told that they're sinful right from their birth. Jews, Jewish people, are just taught that, enforced that, that they're guilty, 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 guilty. No. Either way, it comes down to the same thing. Somewhere along our way, we were told, you don't quite make it. You don't measure up. You're not good enough, and all the other things that go along with that. And that happens to be what happens, not in all faiths, but in the way that things are taught in religion a lot. I know that this program is based on Judeo-Christian backgrounds. That's what they told me from the beginning. And that's what I believe was going on. Now, I was in Japan many years ago, and they told me they had a problem with the concept of God, because in Buddhism, there is no concept of God. So that became a dilemma for them. And everywhere else, you know, there's always going to be a dilemma. But this regardless of, for me, is bigger than just regardless of religion. That's a paraphrase of what we're talking about. And if we spent the whole time talking about religion versus non-religion, spirituality over religion, we'd be getting bogged down in one simple thing. The beauty of regardless of is that it doesn't matter who you are, where you came from, how much or how little you have, but only what you want to do with your problem and how we can help. The rest of it, like I said before, we get as we go along. I got as I went along. See, I went through the same thing that Larry did. Larry, right? Uh, in terms of, okay, see, I, let me back, back up for a minute. I, must, I believe that everybody here, if you admit it to yourself inwardly or you admit it outwardly, are just spiritual speech seekers who took wrong turns. They all led us to the same place, which was the 12 steps of recovery in Narcotics Anonymous. These 12 steps are a perfectly divinely guided guide. If you believe in divinity or if you believe in a universal spirit, it doesn't matter. But somehow or other, all of these are absolute truths that every one of us, when we live by, we get weller and we learn how to love one another. And in the 12th step, it talks about having had a spiritual awakening as a result of their steps. It doesn't say having found God. It doesn't say having found Hinduism, Mithraism, Zoroastrianism Christianity, or anything else. It just says having had a spiritual awakening. For me, that's the promise that was in the second step. Restoration to sanity gives me the ability... To know who I am and what I am and why I'm here I had a great teacher who said when you ask the question what am I doing here why am I here you have started your spiritual journey you have started on the way to finding out the answer to that and spiritual awakening is finding out the answer to that and it's not for me about caring about what religion I grew up on I have a great heritage and I value many many parts of my heritage like anything else, you take what you need and you leave the rest. And that's how this all works for me. I remember coming in being Jewish, listening to the Lord's Prayer many years ago. And I said, oh, shit. <laughs> I don't get on my knees. I'm Jewish. I bend my knees, but I don't get on my knees. I don't say prayers that are Christian-based. Why am I here? But I was hungry enough and thirsty enough. And desperate enough to know that this is where I needed to be. And regardless of what prayer it is, and I still don't care what prayer it is, I need to be in a circle at the end of a meeting and and in the beginning of the meeting, saying a prayer. The serenity prayer for me is great because I asked God at that time to teach me something new. And if there's anything I have to share, let God share it through me. And that's important for me. I don't stammer a lot because I don't try to be clever in meetings. I learned a long time ago: the more clever I try to be, the more stupid I'll be. Uh, so I'd rather be stupid and, and happy, and joyous, and free than anything else. But this, regardless of, for me is: I had that same teacher talked about the spirit of welcome. That when a newcomer walks in this door, and he, if he says, "I'm a pot smoker," if he says, I'm an addict, alcoholic. If he says I'm an alcoholic overeater, the only thing that is important for all of us is to say, welcome, glad you're here. Keep coming back. Now, that's it. And I'm not going to get on any soapbox with that. But my, my heart tells me from a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps that there is a unity found within the human spirit, within the heart where God dwells for me, that shows me that as I look around, I don't see a girl here. I do see pretty girls. That's true. But, I, but I, what I see mostly is the essence of a human being who is just as I am, one of God's greatest miracles. And that's what I see. And it doesn't matter whether I'm in these rooms or I'm out on the street. I smile at people. I ask them how each day. And that's what's important. How was your day? How was your day? You no. Know? And uh, religion goes away when we find spirituality. What I do in this program to use to use it as in that way, I religiously come to meetings. I religiously work my steps and live by my principles. Those are the things I do. In another culture, it'll be called spiritual practice of sadhana. But all of that has to do with. All of this, every time I'm in a meeting, this is a place of a meeting of hearts. Now, it's not anybody's religion, it's just a meeting of hearts. You want to do one thing. You want to stay clean, want to find a way to be happy, joyous, and free. And none of that has to do with religion. That has to do with the spirit. And it does say, and we and we do recover, that this is a spiritual, not religious program known as Narcotics Anonymous. And I thank God... For all of you. And I thank God I'm in such a wonderful place that I call paradise because I'm here inside in paradise. Not so much because it's Hawaii, but it helps. <laughs> you know, I thank you all for being here for me.
0: Hi, everybody. Uh, I'm an addict. Uh, my name is Maurice. I'm from New York. And... Uh, <clears throat> Uh, this is one of the meetings I really uh, wanted to go to. This has been uh, an issue uh, in my recovery right from the beginning, religion and lack of religion uh, for a few different reasons. Um, I was brought up um, by parents who, who are, I don't know if they're atheists, but they're very anti-religious, period. Uh, it's part of their upbringing. They were brought up in a very religious environment, and it was a very negative experience for them. So they translated that onto myself and my, and my stepbrothers and half-brothers, and so when I came here, I had, I had a big problem. You know, and when I was, uh, I'm a product of the 60s. So when it came to like, uh, you know, running around with beads and teepees and, and hanging out in India and going to all these places, I loved going to temples and hanging out with sadhus, but it was always about getting high. There was zero, like something else, I had no awakening of the spirit. I didn't understand anything. I just dug all the ritualistic stuff. You know, I, just like I, I liked that when I got high, you know, I liked all the all the all the fetishism and ritual was a big part of my using. So, um, you know, I thought that that's what I needed. I thought that was being cool. But I had, I had zero awakening of the spirit. I had no understanding about spiritual principles. Any type of religious education that I fought against or, or never went to or it was always about, um, you know, chanting prayers in foreign tongues. I couldn't understand a thing. So I, it was just not there. You know, and. um and I had no understanding of it. It wasn't until I came into the rooms of Narcotics Anonymous. And, and again, you know, it was made very clear to me. This is like somebody, many people have said, it's a spiritual, not a religious program. But the dilemma came up again. Um, I have four kids, and I have four sons and a stepdaughter. So my wife and I have five kids. My first two sons, their mother was Jewish. My other son and my stepdaughter Roman Catholic. My present son is mother's Greek Orthodox. So all of a sudden, I mean, I would, I would have a religious war in my house, you know, and, and they're all coming home with all this stuff, you know, like, how come, you know, because one of them went to Cal, we lived in Manhattan, lower Manhattan, the schools were bad, some of the kids went to Catholic school, so, so that, you know, me not knowing anything, I go into the school, tell you know something? My my uh, my my daughter's going into this Catholic school, but don't you teach her that Jews have once, you know, <laughs> or anything like that. You know, I was back in the Middle Ages or something, you know, and, and it was a nun and she was dressed up like a normal person, and I thought she was gonna be wearing all the nuns clothes. And she laughed at me and she said, You see that kid? He's Muslim. You see Rashid, he's he's a Muslim kid. You see this little kid, he's Indian. You see that little kid, he's Jewish. You know, you're crazy, you know? I mean, she was she just made fun of me, you know, and, and really put me at ease. And um, you know, that that was an issue though, but because on the one hand, you know, I I, I, um, I have my own set of, of, of beliefs about a higher power. You know, to be loving and caring. It's not tied to any particular religion. But I have children, you know, and I live and I live in reality. You know, they put on the TV, they see Christians and Muslims killing each other. They see Jews and, and Muslims and Christians at each other. You know, and, and they get all caught up in that, you know. And, uh, you know, my oldest son, one of them is Jewish, you know, all of a sudden he's, he's on his way to Israel to join the army or something, you know. Like, and they don't understand. they just... They're just repeating stuff, you know, that they see on TV. They have no understanding that, that um, you know, why this is or, or they don't understand the difference between ethnic identity and, and, and personal religious beliefs. So I've had, to, I've had to develop something that I could transmit to my kids that's that's universal. I just love an old friend of mine from Detroit. <laughs> anyway, um, so it's, it's not something I could hide in the sand about, you know. Like, uh, you know, we live in a society where, where religion is in the forefront and a lot of issues. And, and how do I relate this to my kids at the same time, you know, uh, getting some kind of personal beliefs? And, you know, among the many gratitudes, now that I'm clean, is that I now have a set of spiritual principles. And you know, we talk about the 12 steps and the 12 traditions, you know, because I learned something. Like if I, uh, if I replace the word group with the word family in a lot of the traditions... You know, I could relate that to, to, to my personal uh, life, you know, to me and my family. And, um, you know, that's another one of the meetings I'm going to, is a meeting about, about family that's, I think, later in the afternoon. You know, how do you relate recovery to family and kids and wife and ex-wife and all this stuff and, and, and apply the spiritual principles in all our affairs, you know. Um, it's, 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 a, it's a big issue. But this thing about religion, or lack of religion, you know, I have developed. I go to an 11-step meeting. I need a constant connection. I need a loving and caring God. I get fearful. I need that faith, you know. But the faith doesn't have to be through religious rote. You know, it doesn't have to be by me memorizing some prayers in a foreign language I can't understand. It could be just me having a relationship with a loving and caring God, and um, and not being fearful and negative. You know, I mean, I, I my my mother's still alive. My father isn't. You know, and I. And I when I tell her, I go, you know, she knows I'm in recovery. I've been, I've been clean for over 16 years. And she still thinks she's still going through those religious things. You know, she's like really negative about anything dealing with, you know, that this is a spiritual. I tell her, it's spiritual. You don't have to go to a psychiatrist. You don't know, have to take medicine and pills here. This is about a relationship with God. It's almost I'm embarrassed to tell her, you know, and I'm, I'm 56 years old. I'm clean for a while. But I do, you know, and I try it home and I say, you know, maybe you'd be less fearful about dying and about and more open about your past if you had a relationship with a loving, caring guy. And it's it's good, you know, I'm talking about, you know, I'm 12-stepping I'm, I'm my mother into something, you know, it's, it's pretty freaky. But anyway, um, I love being here, and uh, as I've heard many times said to me, you know, if nobody's told you, I love you all. You know, and that's good for me. Thanks. <laughs>
5: My name's Donnie Blackwolf, and it took me about nine years to add the second part of my name to my name, because this fellowship loved me long enough to allow me to put that in there. Um, it's good to meet you. I'm recovering from the disease of addiction today. Must, I just want to tell a quick little story about my friend over here, my fellow moon doggy. If you remember uh, a year or so or more ago getting a phone call and uh, before I know it, we're both in a rental car on the top of Mauna because we know the full moon's going to rise and we'll be able to see it from both sides of the mountain and we're headed up there to say a prayer and honor that moon that full moon as it comes up out of Hilo Bay and watch the sun set in Conan Bay That's it's one of the most amazing experiences I've ever had and if you ever get the chance to do that I suggest you do you know, I, and, and I'm doing my thing because I have my spiritual practices and Danny's doing his thing and we're just both there. Two recovering individuals doing what we need to do to be clean for a single day. Spiritual is who I am. It's not what I am anymore. Spiritual is who you are. It's not what you are. I really believe that. Um, people say, oh, I'm part this, I'm part that. And my first thing I want to say is, well, which part? Your big toe? Your left ear? What part? It's, it's, it's a we thing that I've learned here. I like what one of the other gentlemen said, he says, as a result of a spiritual, having had a spiritual awakening. my One of my first sponsors told me, he goes, don't worry about that, you'll get there. Because the 12th step talks to us about having had a spiritual awakening as a result of some steps. And then he jumps right, to, he went straight to the third tradition, that said, the only requirement for you to be here is the desire not to use drugs anymore, to stop using and I'm like, oh cool, because it took all the pressure off of I gotta find a God. I gotta get you know, it's like it took all the pressure off. Because my, my connection's always been there. I just was ashamed to let it out because it's not what everybody else does, you know? You know, it's not it's not it's not, not Judaic or Catholicism or, it's not that. It's not like what's socially acceptable in a lot of ways. And it is, but I didn't see it that way when I first got here. And so What I've learned, you know, in the short time that I've been coming around here is that every single person in this fellowship is going to love you until you learn to love yourself and accept yourself. And as a result of me learning to love and accept myself and love and accept you, I learned to love and accept my higher power. And it's something about relationships that I want to go into here real quickly because it's real important about you know spiritual or lack of or religion or lack of it's like I have a relationship with a higher power of my understanding today, and I do my work in order to nurture that. Some people go to church, I go to sweat lodges and sun dances. Some people do what they need to do, but I'm willing to do that work today because I know the feeling that comes from not doing that work. I spent a uh, good part of about a year and a half ago about six months of turning my higher power and my will and my life over to another human being which is very unhealthy and if you don't ever have to do that please don't because it's real painful when that human being can't fulfill what you need um, so I've learned that if I am willing to do the work to maintain a healthy loving intimate relationship with my higher power, then my higher power is going to develop a healthy, loving, intimate relationship with myself, which is kind of like second, third, eleventh step is talking about for me. And um, today I have that. I have people in my lives, both in and out of recovery, who love and honor me regardless of my spiritual affiliation or none. I didn't even have to I mean I was told I didn't even have to believe there's a God I just need to show up and be willing and people like Danny and a few other people around here have taught me that we don't care who or what you are only what you want to do about your problem and how we can help you and to me that's when I saw this, this, this thing I mean that's what this is about I love you whether you're Catholic whether you're Buddhist whether you're none of the above I still love you Every, every, every single person I've ever met in the fellowship and I've met a few people in a few years have loved me in spite of my wanting them to and that's really what it is for me I mean that's what my higher power keeps telling me is that like I'm loved I'm taken care of and I don't need to uh, I don't need to be afraid of that you know I can choose to be but I don't need to be afraid of that thank you for allowing me to share
6: Hi, my name is Michael, and I'm an edit. Thank you, Danny and Larry, for being willing to come up here and talk about such a uh, a huge subject. Yeah. This seems to be the can of worms usually that you know affect people so differently for this this subject, but um, for myself uh, personally, um, you guys inspired me to think back about why I'm in Narcotics Anonymous, you know. And uh, basically, with the higher power, you know, I, I think it's wonderful when somebody has something they can believe in, you know, whatever that is. And uh, as far as the seriousness of the program, though. Um, I have uh, two daughters that are 12 and 18, and I think back to uh, three years before I was born. My mother was 13, and um, I, she was 16 when I was born. But when she was 13, she was walking home from school and had never kissed a boy, and four men in their 40s kidnapped her for 12 hours. And uh, this is in the 50s, and um, having had to been able to escape or be left her parents put her in juvenile hall that night calling her a whore now by the time I was seven and she was 22 that would be the first time that I would help her to um, avoid death by suicide
2: so there's the higher power right
6: there because that human being needed somebody in her life because everybody had turned on her that ever meant anything to her and um, <clears throat> when I was um, 28, the higher power came to me and that I think everybody, maybe some of us can relate. When I considered taking my life, when I was alone in a home, higher power came to me with a statement that reminded me of what my dad said. When the shit hits the fan, something good is going to happen if you can hang in there. And I thought, boy, something really good is going to happen here, because this is some serious shit. I got the pills in my hands and I'm going to take them. But um, um, the the program of Narcotics Anonymous helped both of my parents who were, um, they shot hard drugs, they drank heavy, they had a lot of um, madness in their life, a lot of harshness. I, I had actually uh, four stepfathers, so my mother... There's a lot of, lot of madness, a lot of drug, drug addiction and chaos and violence and uh, death and all kinds of stuff going on, you know. And, and, and a, a child can, can get an idea that that's a normal way of life, and, and it's a war out there. And that's, that's, that's who I am. I, I, I think of life as like it's a war. It's the enemy trying to destroy, and it's, it's uh, somehow, I, shit, I wish I wasn't here. But thanks to this program, all of that stuff changed, and all of a sudden there was a purpose behind it now. It uh, says, uh, uh, my past is now my greatest asset. That I can have empathy for people. And, uh, and, uh, they can have empathy for me and help me to learn to love myself. Because I believe it's true. The word recognize really means something. I can't recognize something unless I have it. You know? And, uh, so as far as, as far as, uh, religion, you know, I, I, I believe that, uh, whatever someone does believe will happen for them. That, that that's based on, uh, and, and we take it a step further. When I came into the program, step two, remember perception and everything? Well, you know, Narcotics Anonymous helped my father to find a higher power that he's been a, um, a minister of, of a faith where he lays hands on the terminally ill and uh, cancer is removed and things like that. I saw him die, uh, pray for a child that was dying, had, had swallowed poison, and was literally dying in front of us. And that child got up and went outside and played after he laid hands on that child. So, uh, uh, how would I not believe that uh, higher power could restore me? And and also the family around me. You know, my mother and father are well now. All my mother's sons are all clean and sober. Uh, You know, restoration of, you know, my madness drove my children's mother away from all of us. I had to raise my kids since they were five and two. it's been a lot of lot of uh, treachery, but uh, this program allows all of that to make sense. And now I've been given a purpose. At least this shit makes sense. It wasn't for nothing. Yeah. And uh, so that's why I'm going to stick close with the program here. And I, I, you know, just just in closing, last night. Uh, uh, I've been able to uh, have the pleasure to get to know Archer a little bit, uh, one of the speakers last night's opening ceremonies. And, you know, standing in front of her afterwards, it was like I was looking at an angel of light. You know, it was just uh, everybody's perception is is is, uh, is their own. Mine is I just see so much good in people because that's all I've been looking for. And I don't really have time to see bad. And if it's pointed out to me, I try to see something good in that to tell the person back. Because I, I, I really don't want to see bad in people. Um, we're, all, we're all doing the best we can. I believe that to be true. And that's what I love about this program is there's is, is a bunch of miracles walking around with restoration in their lives and their families. And, and I, I think I'm going to have to thank somebody besides myself for all that. So I'm going to choose to thank you folks, as a matter of fact, because that is the higher power to me, is, is, is all these great stories that I've been hearing that has helped me to not look over my shoulder when things are going well, thinking shit's about to hit the fan. I can actually enjoy it now. Thank you very much.
7: My name is Kermit and I'm an addict. I'm clean today through the grace of God and Narcotics Anonymous. And grace is undeserved favor. There wasn't a damn thing I could do or not do to get what I have today. And I'm truly blessed. Um, I walked into my third treatment center in September of 1981. And after four or five days of detoxing, they let me go to a meeting. And by the grace of God, he picked me up in one side of the state of Virginia, drove me three hours to the other side, where 30 days before I got there, they started a narcotics anonymous meeting in that treatment center. You know? And I walked into that meeting, I weighed hundred and fifty pounds less than I do today. My hair was matted up, my tooth was chipped in half, my skin was yellow, I was in blue pajamas, and when I sat down in the meeting I knew that the women were checking me out.
8: <laughs>
7: <laughs> Regular stud mouth in me. My world was so crazy I had to build a world around me that I could feel comfortable in. And um, by the grace of God they said, I never had to use again a day at a time for the rest of my life in Narcotics Anonymous. And in four days, I'll be celebrating 24 years clean. And I'm not the person that I was when I came here. You know, um, The 12 steps, in my humble opinion, <laughs> is an organized way to take us from being totally self-centered to totally God-centered. And to me, God, I don't know what that is to you, but to me, a God-centered person is someone who's healing inside and is being of service to others. And um, through my course, I've had prayers, you know, and and I heard something on about, you know, there's certain things that you add to this program and other things you let go, but there's some things that you just keep adding to, and my sick mind decided that was my prayers, and that I would never drop a prayer. I would just add another one on. So my morning prayers, you know, started out with stuff like, you know, God, help me stay clean today. Because that's what they told me, you know. Ask God to keep you clean in the morning. Thank him at night. Don't worry about who, what it is. Just, you know, do the footwork. You know, it's like bring your ass and your brains will follow. And um, I did that. And then my prayers grew, you know, and and I added things to them. And I got a hold of the basic text of Narcotics Anonymous in its rough draft form. And uh, and there they have this literature prayer, and it talked about they they prayed it every time they wrote literature, and if you want to know where it is, it's in the introduction of our basic text. And then it talks about God, relieve us of the bondage of self that we we may write according to your divine precepts, instill in us with bond of selflessness and um so that we may carry your will and not ours, so that no addict seeking recovery need die from the horrors of addiction without having had a chance to find a new way of life. And I add on to that so we may bear witness to the miracle. And the miracle is when one heart touches another. And I pray that, you know. I ask God to relieve me of the bondage of self that I may carry his message and not mine so no addicts can recover recovery die. And I do that before, you know, every morning and every night. And I do that when I sit in a NA meeting in the moment of silence. And I do that before I get up at the podium and share to, you know, people around the world. And that simple prayer has transformed me into a person that I never thought I could be. You know, someone whose whole life and thinking is about carrying the message, you know, is about service. You know, people ask me, what do you do for a living? I say, well, I just do something that keeps, you know, between the times that I serve people, because that's what my life's about. You know? um, my father was a young Jewish kid in World War II, and he liberated the concentration camps of Bergen-Belsen. And he turned his back on God that day. So that's what religion was in my house and God was in my house. Um, the, um, my wife says the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous, the only thing they do is they put us on a level playing field with the rest of humanity. And I was like, God, that's all I ever wanted, you know, <laughs> just to be at the same level with the rest of the world. Thanks. Okay, I'd like to thank everybody who uh,
2: shared today and i like to thank the speakers again Danny and Larry and, uh, and to read We Do Recover uh, we have Tom
4: I'm Tom very grateful poetic We
2: Do Recover Aloha When at the end of the road we find that we can no longer function as a human being, either with or without drugs, we all face the same dilemma. What is there left to do? There seems to be an alternative. Alternative. Either go on as best we can to the bitter ends, jails, institutions, and death, or find a new way to live. In years gone by, very few addicts ever had the last choice. Those who are addicted today are more fortunate. For the first time in man's entire history, a simple way has been provo- proving itself in the lives of many addicts. It is available to all of us. This is a simple, spiritual, not religious program known as Narcotics Anonymous. Okay, we'll close in the usual manner. Form a circle around the room and the third step prayer.